0: Hi, this is Jean-Jacques Taylor, and you're listening to Jock Talk. This is a podcast where I talk about the Cowboys, the team I've covered as a beat writer, columnist, TV insider, and radio host for 28 years. I'll also talk about the NFL and the things I love, working out, streaming, food, and all things Dallas. My boy, Big Joe and the Big Red, one of my oldest friends, produces the show and chimes in often with his thoughts on the Cowboys. After all, he's a lifelong Cowboys fan, and he played high school, college, and semi-pro football. Welcome to Jock Talk. Was sports is fluid. What's true today might not be true an hour, a day, or a month from now. I got to tell you, I'm going to give you the truth straight. No chaser. I'm glad to have you aboard. Let's get it. Welcome to episode two. Now, this has been a very interesting day. A lot going on. Uh, some big news, big news, big news coming down the pipe for Jock Talk. Uh, hopefully, we'll have an announcement in the next, uh, let's be conservative, the next week and a half, two weeks we should have some news, but uh, it's, it's big news for Jock Talk. It'll help us grow the show, and uh, we got a lot of things going. Uh, now, me and Big Joe have been trying to figure out some technical things today, and so normally we tape in the morning or mid-afternoon. That's kind of the plan. Well, let me tell y'all something. It's the fourth quarter, the Chiefs-Lions game, and we're like, Doug, are we going to be able to get it out tonight? And I was like, I can if you will, and he was like, I will if you can. And somehow we're figuring out how to get it going tonight., uh, but so we're gonna go until we can't go anymore, whether that's uh, a little bit or a long bit. I don't know, it'll be determined. but uh, this is what happens when you start the podcast over and uh you, you run into some things. but it's all good. Uh, we're having a good time doing it. And so let's jump into this dog. It's all about Michael Parsons and the Cowboys defense? And to me, um, It's interesting because For as long as I've been around the Cowboys Even when I was a kid Cowboys have always been about what? They've always been about star power When I was a kid It was Roger, Tony, Drew, and Tony Hill But Roger, Tony Dorsett, Drew Pearson Were those triplets Then as I started covering the Cowboys Obviously the triplets were Troy, Michael, Emmett. And then, you know, as you move on, you end up with Romo and DeMarco Murray and Des Bryant had their own form of triplets. And then you've had uh, Zeke and you've had Dak and you've had, you know, Amari Cooper for, for a while. Uh, so, but what I'm telling y'all, and I ain't breaking no news here, the Cowboys have always been about offense and star power for, to me, until now. And what I mean is, yeah, Dak got to perform at the highest level for this team to get where he's trying to go. But I'm telling y'all, that defense, whoo, that defense, Micah Parsons leading the way. Uh, first, second, or third best player in the league, depending on who you think it, who, who you've got him in that circle. But the conversation starts with him, Nick Bosa, TJ Watts, you know for the most part that those are your three defensive players maybe you like sauce gardener maybe you like somebody else but uh that's where it kind of starts but whenever you have that conversation michael parsons is gonna be at the top of it and so i'm telling y'all i think this is the first time in forever that the cowboys defense is what this season is all about um, and what i love about michael parsons well i'm gonna get to that in a minute before i talk about michael parsons we need to talk about this What I love even more than Michael Parsons is what Dan Quinn has done to this defense. And um, I was talking to a couple players yesterday out at the Star. And I was like, what's up with the defense? Because defense seems different to me. Uh, And I was trying to explain it to one guy, but I was trying not to be insulting when I did it because I didn't want to make it seem like other years were really bad or whatever. And finally I just said, I looked at him and said, man, this team just got feel like just just got a bunch of dogs on it, man. I mean, they had the hot boys a couple years ago, but I gotta be real with y'all. This is just your boy now. I never really bought into the hot boys. You know, DeMarcus Lawrence was trying to get something going, but Taco Charlton was acting like he was a big deal. And I was like, I just can't take the hot boys seriously when somebody like Taco Charlton's acting like he's a big deal when he ain't never done nothing. And so, while I really liked DeMarcus Lawrence, the hot boys seemed, I don't want to call them fake, but they weren't authentic to me. And here's what I'm talking about. This particular team, these particular Dallas Cowboys this year, they don't have a name for their defense. Like when I was in high school, we called our defense the Soul Patrol plus one because there was 10 brothers and a white guy out there playing defense. Uh, hey, Joe, did y'all defense have a nickname of Sam Houston?
1: Uh, the destruction crew. <laughs> I like that. Yes, sir. I
0: like that. Were you the foreman?
1: Nah, we had a brother. We had we had a middle linebacker named Danny Potter was was kind of our spokesperson. He talked a lot. All right, so yeah, so, right. It's all good.
0: Uh, <laughs> so here is what I'm saying. This this particular unit does not have a uh, does not have a nickname. And right now, they don't seem like they need one. But what it seemed like is they just got a bunch of dogs. And to me, that's what defense is all about. Uh, it's all about playing with an intensity and a ferocity, especially those elite defenses. And when this defense I thought was going to be good, it was good last year. Michael Parsons on it makes it good because he could put his will onto a team. Trayvon Diggs is a playmaker. And when they, had, when they went offseason, man, and they added Stephon Gilmore, I was like, yo, they're trying to do something here. And the way, and the thing that Dan Quinn has done, which is what, to me, sets, sets him apart. Uh, and again, I asked some guys about this uh, because ultimately they were talking about the defense and said, This is all DQ. So I said, What do you mean it's all DQ? They go, Dog, it's all DQ. DQ lets you be you. If you want to have a big, loud, brass personality and talk shit and cuss folks up, he'll let you do that as long as you play to the level that he wants you to play. If you're more of a quiet guy, he'll let you be that. Whoever you are, he'll let you bring that to the defense. That, and he puts us in a position to make plays. Every defense coordinator don't do that. We are always put in a position to make plays, and when and then we try to produce, so we're getting in another position to make plays. And to me, when the players are describing that, and they're describing Dan Quinn in that way, that's what makes... Uh, The Cowboys defense have a chance To be really a really elite unit uh, This year Matter of fact uh, Micah Parsons was talking about that At the star In uh, clip one Joe
2: Yeah um, Fundamentally uh, Communication I feel like this is the best team Best defense I've ever been on And I've been grateful to be on Some pretty good defenses Since Penn State And even coming here um, Just adding him Was like that Just extra boost their confidence to the back end communication having a solid guy next to Trey um you know I'm predicting a lot of good things from these guys this year you know and people can't always go away from digs now they got faced in music with both of them and you know uh and you know I'm kind of happy to got those guys because you know to see their lock in and focus every day digs challenging me every week it is going to be a really exciting year
0: well I think when you when you listen to michael Parsons talk, he knows what's up man you need playmakers to win games in the nfl to me yeah you need some solid guys to keep everything locked in but at the end of the day the game is about did your playmakers make it happen Stefan gilmore has been a playmaker in his career we know michael parsons has been a playmaker um, we know trayvon diggs has been a playmaker um, the thing about it is gilmore brings a calmness and an experience to that unit and I think he's going to help elevate Trayvon Diggs' game. Here's what I mean. Trayvon Diggs is really a risk taker. He tried to minimize his risk last year, had fewer interceptions, but played better overall. When you got a vet like Stefan Gilmore you can go to, he can tell you, hey, dog, here's what you need to do. You need to study this. You need to study this. These are the circumstances in which you take chances. These are the circumstances in which you don't. And he can teach him some nuance about the game that can help make him one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Now, he's paid like one. He's the fifth highest paid quarterback quarterback in the league. But a guy like Gilmore, if Diggs wants to listen, can really help him elevate his game uh, by working on the nuance of the game. The subtleties of it. All the little details that make a good player great and a great player a Hall of Famer. Uh, Or an average player good. But it's about the details. And if Gilmore I think, uh, based on what I've heard, will pour into uh, digs If he'll listen and then be able to apply it, then I think he can take his game to another level. You add that with Michael Parsons and the depth they got on the defensive line, uh, they just have a chance, man, to be a really elite unit. But it all starts with Parsons. Now, he was a happy man yesterday, Joe. Nick Bosa got paid. And he said, what they got to do with Michael Parsons? Well, you know how it works in the NFL. Nick Bosa... Got a $170 million contract the other day, 123 guaranteed. Uh, He will probably play in their opener against Pittsburgh. The question, obviously, is how much will he play since he missed all the training camp, missed all of the preseason. Uh, He's a workout warrior, though. He'll be in shape. But anybody who's played football knows there's an absolute difference between being in great physical shape and being in game shape. They do not want that man pulling a hamstring, pulling a quad, having any other kind of soft tissue injury that's going to keep him out multiple weeks. So he might play against Pittsburgh, but even if he does, I doubt he plays more than 15 or 20 situational plays. Uh, but I would not be surprised at all if he missed, out, if he missed the Pittsburgh game and just sat out uh, to get his conditioning up and get, him, get his body ready uh, to play. Because this is a long season, man. 17 games. It's is only week one. You don't need to put him in jeopardy in any way, shape, or form. So that's Nick Bosa But as it relates to Micah Parsons Nick Bosa last year man Defensive MVP 18 and a half sacks 19 tackles for loss Micah Parsons Finished second in the MVP voting For defense 13 and a half sacks 13 tackles for loss And what he did man Is um, I don't want to say it like this But I'm going to say it like this Because it's late he took his game; it appears to be to another level, and that's wild because you look at him and you heard comparisons to Lawrence Taylor last year. Lawrence Taylor is probably considered the greatest outside linebacker to ever play the game, um, and you heard comparisons to Michael Parsons last year, even though he's an edge pass rusher. I remember but what he did, man.
1: I remember the first year they compared him to Lawrence Taylor. I didn't, I, I didn't, I didn't see that because he didn't know how to use his hands yet. I said if he, I, I thought, well, he got speed, he got the leverage down. Once he, I said when his first year, once he learned to use his hands, yeah, he's gonna be great. So I think this year, this this year, I think you can compare him to LT. I think that's a that's a fair comparison.
0: Let me tell y'all something. Big Joe and the big rig been over here looking at my notes. It happens from time to <laughs> time. I don't know how he got him. He been looking at my notes because next thing I was going to say is what I love about Michael Parsons, what I love about Michael Parsons. And I'm going to be real with y'all because of uh, COVID and post COVID in my year in Jackson. I don't really know him at all. I've just observed him. I'll know him by the end of the year, but I've just been observing him now. And I love his desire to be great. I love how he attacks everything with a desire to be great. I love the way he talks. Uh, you know, in training camp, he's talking about, I'm taking my teammates into the deep water because I'm going to take us to the deep water because that's where we need to go to win a title. All that kind of stuff, man. That excites me. But the offseason, man. And the we, reason I say, how Big Joe was looking at my notes is he spent the offseason. He's a great player, okay? But he spent the offseason working on his conditioning. He didn't stay in Dallas. He stayed in Austin. He wanted to add about 8 to 10 pounds of muscle, play at 252, 255, so his body wouldn't get quite as worn down messing with the 330-pound tackles on a regular basis. Um, then he was working with a boxing coach to work on the stamina, his hand-eye coordination, and all of that. Worked with a jiu-jitsu coach to work on what it was Big Joe and the Big Ray talking about, working on his hand movements, that hand-to-hand combat with those tackles. Let me learn some jujitsu and some better hand movements so I can free myself from these pass rushers and get to the quarterback. Dude. And then he went to training camp. And as my boy Clarence E. Hill Jr. the Fort Worth style telegram said uh, recently, he just wrecked training camp, man. Chill has been covering the Cowboys almost as long as I have. Now, he calls himself the longest tenured beat writer because he started covering the beat in 96 and he's still there. Ain't seen the Super Bowl with him. So it could be his fault. And if y'all want to uh, snitch on him and hit him on Twitter and tell him that, I really don't care. You can do that if, if, if you so desire. But the reality of it is that Chill said he had never seen a player in all his training camps just destroy a camp the way Michael Parsons did. Not to mention, and, and we say this with no malice in our heart, Destroy a player like Tyron Smith on a regular basis in camp. Just you know, Tyron just couldn't handle him, man. And you can say whatever. That could be Mike is great. That could be Tyron is uh, is descending now a little bit at his age. Doesn't matter. Bottom line is Michael Parsons just wrecked training camp, and has positioned himself to be the defensive player of the year. Um, it's not going to hurt at all. In fact, let's say it like this. It's gonna help that they start the season Sunday night at the Meadowlands, MetLife Stadium, against the Giants. New York media, national TV, Sunday night game. If he gets off to the start that that it looks like he can, based on what we've seen in training camp, he will propel himself to the top of the list just in that just in that one week because New York media goes crazy, and uh, Sunday night football. If they can get a Dallas win and a Top flight performance from uh, Michael Parsons He can start his race uh, The Defensive Player of the Year Right now Now as it relates to money And that's really what we're talking about With Nick Bosa Is Nick Bosa's deal with $170 million And uh, $123 guaranteed Let me tell y'all something That is the floor For Michael Parsons' contract The floor That's, what, that's where we can start the conversation. Um, There ain't going to be no hometown discount So don't thank for one Don't buy into any talk about Well they got DAC signed, they got CD signed They got all these other guys signed They got no money for parsons He he can't ask for that Whatever dog, he asking for all of it I haven't seen this But I heard this And I went looking for it But I I wasn't committed to finding it So I just looked real quickly And when I couldn't find it I quit, I gave up Because I had something else to do, not because I'm a quitter I had something else to do. And I'm telling you, man, his daddy was on Twitter talking about, we trying to get 200. Yeah, 200 million. And in two years, with the way the cap has gone up and with his performances, he just might get there, bro. Now, that being said, uh, when he talked to the media the other day, uh, let's use the clip four, man, where he talks about Bosa and uh, the impact of that contract
2: thoughts on that contract uh super happy for nick bosa man he just he really showed why he was the best player in the league last year um and it gives you something to chase man and not in terms of his contract but in terms of how great he was if you study his mindset how patient he was and just let the game come to him it's really something to look for and uh you know i'm you know he knows that i'm coming for him he even said to my ears like i won this year and he's like, I know you'll be coming for extra. I said, you're damn right. So, you know, uh, it, it's going to be a good chase. And i only just him, Max Crosby, too, and those guys are all really good. Dude,
0: that's what I'm talking about, man. Uh, Bosa knows what's up. Everybody knows Micah's coming. And when you when you play the way Micah Parsons can play, now listen to me carefully because this is, this is more nuanced stuff. He don't have to worry about the contract. All he has to do is perform. The money gonna take care of itself. When you got a guy like Bosa, who became the highest paid defense player, thirty four million dollars a year, uh, surpassing Aaron Aaron Donald's thirty one and a half million dollars with the Rams. T.J. Watts at twenty eight million. Uh, Joey Bosa's at twenty seven million. Uh, Micah will probably be at thirty five million. Man, he's probably going to be close to a hundred eighty guarantee because he's still got two years left on his deal. Before they gotta get him. But the price, I'm telling y'all, the price never goes down. So as soon as they get Dak signed, as soon as they get C D signed, Michael Price will be next on the list. Um But the thing I like about him is I believe him when he says he's not focused on his contract. Because I think he's just gonna go out and play and put up the numbers. He knows this and the money will come. Uh, but when you listen to him talk about his teammates, you heard him talk about how, how this defense communicated, how, he, how much he enjoyed this defense, how much he liked this defense, how much confidence he's got in Gilmore and Diggs. Let me tell you all something. It's why he can talk about the Super Bowl. Let's hear that clip, Joe.
2: You bro, I I really just enjoy the game. I love what I do. Um, and just, you know, everyone else can talk about it. You know, my dad always said that, you know, everyone could talk about how good you are. Everyone could talk about, you know, what your future looks like and things like that. But at the end, you always just got to act like you've been there before and act like it's normal because, uh, you know, if you're good, everyone else will talk about it. Any Any extra?
1: Been your mess? And now I'm going to give you the clip you want.
2: See That's what I like. Man, man I've I like been sleeping on it. I've been dreaming about it. It's late at night, man. I just think Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl. But, you know, I don't get too caught up on it at the same time because I know I got to take care of each week of its own. Every day have its worries of its own. And every day you have to focus on just getting better that inch and inch. And eventually you'll be enough inches to where you are in the Super Bowl and you know it'll be there. But your preparation, your work, your mindset, all which led there, everything that you do every day leads to the Super Bowl, not just say, hey, I want to go to the Super Bowl, you know, I just don't work like that
0: No And so uh, he's committed I think he'll take his help make his teammates As committed as they can be um, But his drive is for the Super Bowl um, I don't think that's going to get there this year But I will say this They have a team capable of getting there uh, If they can stay uh, Away from injuries at the key spots And if Dak Prescott will play his best football When it matters most then your Dallas Cowboys have a shot. But to me, this particular season, 2023, is all about Micah Parsons, the chase for the defensive player of the year, and the contract that's going to come at the end of that because I believe he's going to get it. Now, shifting topics here. Let's go around. I haven't figured out if we're going to call this around the block. What's up with Dallas, Jacques' world? I don't know. We'll figure it out. Uh, you know, part of uh, being part of the process when when the show gets started is y'all get input or y'all are part of this as we as we talk things through live on the air uh, before it gets to you. But so check this out. I had a meeting the other day, and at the end of the meeting, and maybe you'll hear more about this meeting down the road. I was talking to a couple guys, and they said, "Hey, we like what you talked today. We'll get back with you um, in about a week because." We're going elk hunting in uh, the state of Washington. And so I looked at these guys and I go elk hunting. I got one word for you, one question for you. What y'all shooting at, man? Y'all got some big old guns uh, from five miles away with a scope on it. I said, are you up close and personal? And they both looked at me and started laughing. And they said, we're going bow hunting. I said, bow hunting? They said, yeah, bow and arrow. We're shooting elk, elk. And I said, you know what, dog, right now, I got mad respect for you. They go, oh, I said, that's hunting. Whatever you get, I can respect that if you're going to shoot it with a bow and arrow. And they looked at me, and they started laughing, man. And um, here's what they said. They said, that is some of the hardest hunting you'll have to do because, you know, if the elk have any... Hint that you are there or they smell you Because your scent went downwind or whatever You you know It's, it's over with you You won't get the animal uh, The other thing is when you're shooting with a bow and arrow You got to shoot them in the heart Or you got to shoot them in the lungs Otherwise you're not going to be able To, to stop them because the animals are so large I didn't realize that Now then these were a couple of doctors um, And so We were talking and so then They <laughs> They went down a place where, uh, you know, I, I just couldn't go with them. Because they started talking and said, yeah, and there's nothing better than, than once you kill an animal. You know, you take the meat and you cook it and it's fresh because you know exactly it came out. I said, hey, man, I need my, I need my food to have some preservatives on them first, man. I just can't eat them like that. And uh, it reminded me of the time uh, I was in East Texas with, with uh, a... <laughs> uh, family and um i was eating some catfish and i was like this catfish is interesting but this is catfish right and they said yeah i said well it tastes a little funny it's uh it's a little rubbery or something and they said there's nothing wrong with it it just came out the, the lake we just caught it you know a couple of hours ago i said oh that's the problem it's too fresh I need some preservatives on my food. I'm not really down with this fresh food. It tastes funny to me. And so I ask you, Big Joe, mm. do you need preservatives on your food? Or no. you like them fresh raw? No, kids? No, I don't
1: need no preservatives. No. No, I thought you was going to say. Oh, man. I thought you was going to say. The you, like, you,
0: like the, you, like it, you like the chicken with his head wrung off, right? Just throw that thing in the pot and let's eat it tonight.
1: Yeah, I watched my granny do that. What are you talking about? Hey, <sighs> no, go catch that go, go catch that chicken for me right there. <laughs> that one? Yeah. Go catch that one. Hey, I run my little ass over there, catch the chicken, ring the neck. We got fried chicken. Fresh. Fresh.
0: You I, did not ring the neck.
1: No, she did. I did. Oh, okay. I was gonna say I, I just caught Had the to ring next. Well, I was little and quick. Go catch the chicken. I ain't it? Ain't take me all day like rock either. I ran up, snatched the chicken up, bring it to Granny. She rang the neck. We cooking the chicken. Uh, uh, you, uh,
0: you didn't eat of the chicken for dinner, man. I, hand,
1: I can't. Are you that. who name who have who on the farm? Who you if they ain't laying eggs, you ain't naming no chicken. So you know, it's, it's a group of them. It's a group of them. It's all good. I thought you was gonna say that the hunters told you how they got the meat. How they was carving the thing? Ah, right, you know, I right, man, maybe I'm a little squeamish about that, but not that it not that it just was breathing a little while ago. I thought you was gonna say how they got to be. <laughs> I ain't gonna go into all of that, but you know, man, I was
0: messed up when uh, my boy Michael Wright. He's from uh, Wichita Falls, Texas, but he's big time NBA writer now. Right. Right? But when he's not covering the NBA, he is a barbecue kind of yeah michael corley like on, he right? got his own
1: oh yeah yeah you know mike i know or you I, just seen him on facebook i know a friend of mike's he went to college with one of my best friends justin johnson sure, oh sure it's a small world let me tell you how
0: teeny i was gonna say the world teeny tiny because as you can see i didn't even know he knew mike wright
1: mm-hmm.
0: well mike wright is one of my proteges he's my boy uh but dog so he's his barbecue kind of you know, he got three different grills and, you know, he is that guy. Man, his big project last weekend was kicking up, was cooking a whole pig.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, sir.
0: And I just couldn't get down with it, man. I like I can't have a head on it, man. <laughs> and he was he, he put all it out. He, he did it the whole step of the way on uh, Facebook. And I was just like, it looked. You know, technically it looked like it would be great, but I just—it's just no, man. I don't want the head on my food, man. Not even my fish. I don't want it looking back at me. <laughs> I
1: just hey, you don't eat crawfish, then, do you?
0: You know what? I really don't. Uh, although I tried, but that's a lot of work for a little bit of meat. But yeah, I get—I I start feeling a certain way when them live crawfish gets get thrown into that boil.
1: <laughs> like, Had a crawfish I boil two years ago. Yeah, yeah they're they going in
0: the pot. Yeah. <laughs> I need a little more. I need my food to be a little more humanitarian. I feel like I'm out in the wild like a lion or a, a hyena if I'm if I'm just eating it too fresh.
1: We all got to go sometime. Uh,
0: <laughs> 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 so that leads me to this, man. Uh, when my guys were telling me that they were going bow hunting, and I'm, and I'm telling them I got respect, you're going to drop some knowledge on me that you got a bow. Now, how do you end up with a bow?
1: Garage sale. Compound bow. Garage sale. Um, it had some parts missing on it. I saw it. I always wanted one. Cause all my friends had them growing up. Picked it up at a garage sale. Got the parts. Put it on there missing. And, you know, went to, uh, I think, Sports Town Academy or one of those places had where you could shoot bows. I shot it a couple of times, but I never went hunting. with it. But, Yeah. I've had just about any kind of weapon you you can think of. And I was gonna say,
0: what made you get the bow?
1: Because my my friends had them growing up, and uh, it was cool. And they always talked about going bow hunting, and a lady was selling it. It was missing a few parts. I just picked it up because it's it's cool. Compound shooting bows is cool. It's cool.
0: Is yeah. it now? Yeah. What's the uh, what's the process? Is it an easy process? Is it a hard process to learn?
1: Nah, it's 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 by medium because you gotta, you don't have to be strong as a regular bow, but you got to know how to lay that thing, lay that thing up and and pull back. I can't really tell you because I only shot a a little bit at a at a practice range. You know, I moved a, I moved the firearms after that, but it was cool having a bow. I I don't even know what happened to it. I think I ended up either throwing it away or giving it to somebody.
0: All right. Yeah. Well- so, Joe never went hunting with it. Nope. I've never been hunting with it. Nope. But a uh, couple couple of uh, businessmen I work at, I mean, I hang out with, uh they were going up to the mountains up in uh the state of Washington to hunt elk and get one with nature.
1: Yeah, that's tracking. <laughs> that's tracking right there. Okay, you know, what that's that mean? that's what they, well what what they was talking about when that's what you was talking about when you were saying they 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 was talking about being downwind and stuff. A lot of people yeah. do that deer stand hunting, but usually when you bow hunting, you you tracking stuff, you know you you trying to find where it's at. You learn how to lay low. It's a, it's harder than it's it's a little harder than well it's a lot harder than sitting in the deer stand waiting on them All to right. come up to eat out of a deer feed and shooting them with a high powered rifle. So <laughs> I ain't trying to dog yeah. nobody, but you know. Uh, <laughs>
0: Well, no, that's really what I'm getting at. That's why I I, w- I wasn't really messing with him. I was telling him the truth. Oh, I said, yeah. "You going bow hunting for elk? I got yeah. respect for you, yeah. and you deserve whatever animal you bring back if that's the way you get down."
1: Yeah. yeah. Well,
0: you deserve whatever animal you bring back.
1: Everybody um, shoot something. I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know. I, I'm I'm trying not to offend nobody, but everybody shoot some deserved animals. I'm gonna just put it like that. I'm gonna I'm gonna backtrack uh, on the deer stand comment, but go ahead with that.
0: All right. Well, you know uh some I think work a little harder for it perhaps that's the way to say it there
1: you go there you go uh, there you
0: but go. uh but anyway now let me tell you something uh i've had people asking for this next segment for probably the better part of 2 years and i'm thrilled to be able to give it to you yeah i'm 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 teasing you a little bit not telling you what exactly i'm talking about But let me give you a little bit of background. Having been around the Cowboys covering them in many different varieties since uh, 1995, I don't even, well, let me put it like this. I think from 1995 through about 2015 or 16, I may have missed only like three games. I saw every game home and away except maybe three and uh, one of those was 1995 when it was the last game in the regular season they were playing christmas night in arizona my boss was like hey their playoff situation is settled why don't you just stay home with your family it's okay uh i can't even remember the next game i missed i think i missed a game uh oh i know what it was <laughs> now i not feel dumb i missed but I, I was trying to get the logistics right i missed the game because my mom died And uh, dealing with that whole thing is I missed one game. I should have missed two because I went to the next game. It was the only deadline I've ever missed because my brain just couldn't work that night. And then I missed a game uh, because my son was about to be born and I didn't want to take a chance. I was going to be outbound and out of town and have him show up and say hi to the world. Uh, And so uh, I missed those three games So that was it So here's the point So I spent all this time out at Either Valley Ranch or out at the Star Gathering information And when I started working At uh, ESPN Radio I was still acting like a beat reporter In terms of how I approached things And so I would come on the air And I'd have these nuggets of information And uh, my producer uh, Alan Fall He said we love these segments man we got to come up with a catchy name for it put some music up under it and and let you do your thing and over a period of time we came to call it whispers from the star and it became one of the highest rated sets uh segments on our radio show Uh, but the last three years with covid with post-covid In my year in Jackson working on my book about Deion Sanders In the 2022 Jackson State season I haven't been able to do whispers from the star Well baby, that 12 letter cuss word is back I'm at the star uh, two or three days a week now I can do my thing, I can gather my information And now, right now, without further ado Often duplicated Especially by clowns down the radio dial, y'all know who I'm talking about. Never replicated though. It's time for whispers from the star that news you can't see, hear, get anywhere. But the Jock Talk podcast. How you like that?
1: <laughs> that's the last time. We, so, that's the last time we do that without music. We're gonna have to get some music.
0: No, man, we're going to get an NFL bed and put it up under it. Roger that. And uh, we're going to get a nice little catchy intro for it. But, hey, this is still a work in progress. This is only episode two. Uh, But without further ado, come on, people. It's time for me to give you that news you can't see here, read, get anywhere but the Jock Talk podcast. And we're going to start with a conversation I had with one young man named J. Ryan Kirsty I actually called himself J.K. And so I did what a lot of of y'all should be curious about. I went up to him and asked him the question, and I asked him very respectfully. But I asked him, I said, dog, I got to tell you, when they signed you, I was like, who is this dude? He must be a special teams guy because he ain't never done nothing in the league. And he looked at me and started laughing. I said, well, you hadn't. he said, if you watch tape, then you wouldn't know. I said, man, ain't nobody watching tape of guys who don't start. He said, there's a reason why I didn't start. I said, okay, what's the reason why you ain't start, dog? He said, the reason I ain't started is a guy named Harrison Smith, who I think is a Hall of Fame player. I said, oh, you play behind Harrison Smith in Minnesota? He said, yeah. I said, dog, you're the kind of guy who just been in college. You would have transferred because you're playing behind a superstar. He said, exactly. He said, but this is the league, so you can't transfer, so I had to stay. Well, he said, I said, you know who else you remind me of? He said, who? I said, you would probably be like if the Cowboys hadn't signed Donovan Wilson and then he showed up somewhere else and was blowing folks up, people would be like, who is this dude and where did he come from? And he would say, all I needed was opportunity. I just never had it until now. He said, exactly. He said, I could always ball, man. I just never had a chance to ball until I got here. Uh, DK, he said, DQ, Dan Quinn found a spot for me, gave me an opportunity, and I've been waiting my whole career for an opportunity, and I took advantage of it. I said, what did you take? How did you take advantage of it? He said, man, I was just hungry to play. I've been in the league for about six years and never had a chance to play. So when DQ presented this opportunity, I put everything in it. And now I'm a player, uh, you know, that's uh, to be reckoned with. Because, yes, J.K. does have a very high uh, opinion of himself. Uh, But it's okay. I don't mind. He's a really good player. Uh, He's going to be uh, the guy who handles tight ends for the Cowboys a lot this year in coverage. Uh, But he's made a name for himself. I do think, however, this is going to be his last year in Dallas. Uh, they got some prototypes that look just like him. And so I think this will be his last year. So he needs to play well so he can find some money elsewhere. But uh, J. Ron Kurse spent three years behind Harrison Smith in Minnesota. Dog, he's one of the reasons why this Cowboys defense is going to be an elite unit. Moving on to your kicker, Brandon Aubrey. Man, have I found out a couple tidbits about him? Now, regardless of what you think about kickers. This is an interesting thing because, you know, he didn't play college. He didn't play college football. He played professional soccer. But here's what here's what it is. I ran into somebody out at the star who's been keeping a very keen eye on his kicking competition and, and keeping an eye on, on Aubrey. And so I asked him, I said, hey, what do you look like, dog? He said, he's got the talent. I said, how you feel about him? He says, I feel good, but you never know till you put him in the game. Uh... They all make them, they all miss them. It's whether they can control the moment. I said, you think, you know, I'm just probing. You think he controlled the moment? He said, we just never know, man. I said, well, what about the crosswinds in New York? Will that affect him? Because that's what New York is known for. Plus, supposed to be some rain. He said, it might, it might not. These guys are all good. These guys all have talent. It's just a matter of whether they can handle all the other stuff that they can't control. And we won't know that until we put them in that position to see If they can't control and then the guy looked at me, he took a deep breath and he said, but I tell you what, the kid's got talent. He can kick that ball. If he can handle everything else, he's going to be fine. Now, you would think that would be the end of the kicking story, but it's not. You know, the world is small, Big Joe. Uh, We just discovered that a little while ago. Here's how small the world is. I found out this story about kicker Brandon Aubrey today, as a matter of fact. I was talking to somebody who said, you know how I think Brandon Aubrey ended up with the Cowboys? I said, well, how did he end there? I mean, he had a terrific year kicking in the USFL, and they signed him as a free agent. They go, no, bigger than that. It turns out that Aubrey worked with a kicking coach named Brian Egan. Brian Egan kicked where? Big Joe. You got any idea? No. Good. He kicked (laughs) at Mississippi State. Guess who his holder was at Mississippi State?
1: Dak Prescott.
0: My man. See, you're paying attention. Dak Prescott was the holder. Turns out that Egan and Dak Prescott, I'm not going to call them BFFs, but apparently they're very, very good friends. And so... Egan is talking to Dak and he says, hey, one of my kids who's kicking with me is this guy named Aubrey. He ain't got a track record, but y'all might want to get him in for a tryout or a look-see. And so I believe that that relationship between Egan, the kicker from Mississippi State, who's a kicking coach right now, along with Dak Prescott, the quarterback of America's team, who was his holder in college, played some role in Aubrey getting a tryout with the Cowboys and then a, uh, an attempt to, uh, to, 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 to make the team and join the Cowboys, all because his kicking coach had Dak Prescott as a holder in Mississippi State. How you like that, though?
1: I Like that because if he if hears some big field goals, they can say, Yeah, Dak got his friend to come and it's great. If he miss some field goals, say, That's Dak's buddy, that's why you know he ain't about nothing because Dak got him on. He only reason he kicking is called Dak is on. That's what you're gonna hear.
0: No, that's that's right, and I have no idea if, if that happened at all, but I'm telling you, this is kind of news that you can't see here we get anywhere, Roger Jack Talk Pat podcast on a regular basis. Moving on to Doris Armstrong. Now oh, Doris yeah. Armstrong. Do y'all pay any attention to Doris Armstrong? Cuz I don't think you do. I do. Well, I mean you are a football, you football guy. Yeah. But Doris Armstrong, man. I talked to him. He's for whatever reason, I've always liked talking to him. Uh, maybe it's cuz he was from Kansas and they had a sorry team and I used to always be like, "Dog, I know what it's like to be at Ohio State. What's it like to play at Kansas, man?" And uh, (laughs) he would tell me, he told me some good stories. But I was talking to him because, again, I haven't seen a lot of these guys in three years. And so I walked up to him and said, dog, how you doing, man? I said, let's keep it real, man. What happened? How'd you improve your game? How'd you take your game to the next level? He said, urgency. I said, check this out, man. You don't strike me as a guy who didn't play with urgency. He goes, it's not that I didn't play with urgency. He said, I just never had a lot of opportunity. Uh they didn't really believe in me. So anytime I had a chance to get an opportunity, they always put somebody in front of me. So I didn't get an opportunity. I said, Well, what changed all that? That man stopped, looked at me dead in his eyes, and he said, He said the name of one man. You know what man he said, Joe? Dan Quinn. No, but that's a quality guess Yeah. He said, Randy Gregory. Okay. I said, Randy Gregory. He said, Yeah. He said, remember, Randy Gregory was supposed to sign with Dallas, and then he didn't. I said, oh, I forgot. Uh, he had agreed to terms with Dallas on five years, $75 million deal, I believe, backed out because he didn't like the language and went to Denver. When he backed out, that gave Dawns Armstrong what he had spent his entire career hoping for, opportunity. And so he took advantage of it. He got five sacks. He now, balled. that's not a lot. Yeah, he balled out. But five sacks yep. is state. Yeah. No, he played well. Um, and he played on special teams. And all of a sudden, he got a two-year, $10 million contract. Now, in the, the air where we just got through talking about Joey, uh, I mean, Nick Bosa getting uh, $170 million, $10 million might not seem like a lot. Let me tell y'all something. To us regular, everyday Americans – Let me ask you something Coach Hartfield Would 10 million Change your life?
1: Yes indeed It changed my life
0: I know for damn sure Two years and 10 million Would change my life Yes sir So Doris Armstrong Two years 10 million Changed his life And that man responded With what? Eight and a half sacks Last year I think he blocked The punt Maybe two Uh, He's a good player And uh, to me He's the kind of player Championship teams have Which means he's a guy That don't nobody Talk about but he can make plays for you to help you win games. Not all the time, but once or twice a year he can make a play to help you win game. He's a good player, he's a role player, and he's the kind of guy who probably won't be here when his contract is up because by then his replacement should be on the team and he'll cost too much yeah. uh, for, his, for his talent. But while he's here, yeah. y'all need to respect Dorrance Armstrong and what he's done. And in the process, send a thank you note to your boy Randy Gregory yeah. because if he hadn't backed out of his deal, I probably wouldn't be talking to Doris Armstrong because he'd be playing somewhere else.
1: <laughs> one, of the, one of the best lineups, when they line up, is when you see uh, Michael Parsons on the same side as Demarcus Lawrence, you can bet that Tony, that, that, that Armstrong is on the other side. That's how good he is because them guys going to flush whatever to his side and he's been cleaning it up.
0: Nope, absolutely yep. So I saw this guy In the corner of the locker room I said I'm finna go over here and talk to him And I went over to him and I said Dog we finna be boys And he looked at me and started smiling And he said why is that I said cause your boy is my boy And he looked at me and said Who is that I said come on dog Your boy is my boy and I said and that makes you my boy by default and he starts laughing He said alright alright Who you talking about I said DT dog That's my dude He's like DT Is your dude I said yeah man DT is my dude He said oh okay DT taught me a lot about the game I said dog DT to taught everybody a lot about the game And by now All of y'all are sitting there wondering Who the hell is DT Big Joe do you know who DT is No DT is the one The only Former Dallas Cowboy cornerback number 32 when I was growing up. Dennis, Dennis Thurman. Thurman.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, that Dennis Thurman. Me on
0: that one. Let me give you <laughs> let me give y'all a brief background on Dennis Thurman. Dennis Thurman coached one Deion Sanders with the Baltimore Ravens when he was a secondary coach. Okay, fire that way. When Dennis Thurman was then the defensive coordinator with the Buffalo Bills when he got his hands on Gilmore and with the New York Jets when he coached Revis. That's that's right. Hall of Famer Darrell Revis. All right. Then he became the defensive coordinator for where? Jackson State with his boy Deion Sanders. All right. Now, I met DT during a brief time where he wasn't coaching. We did TV together on Channel 5 with Newey Scruggs. For an entire football season So we got to be friends And boys When I was in Jackson State These last three years We got to be really good friends He's like my big brother now I call him all the time Or I text him all the time Because he don't pick up the phone He's that guy But I'm talking to DT Last week when I was in Boulder And he's a big Cowboys fan Or he always wants to know What's going on with the Cowboys So he asked me What's going on with the Cowboys I talk about the defense I said, man, I think Gilmore's gonna make a big deal. He said he should. I taught that boy how to uh, take his game to the next level. And so I go up to, to uh, Gilmore in the locker room. I say, hey, man, DT said uh, he loves you. He said, man, that dude taught me how to the thing to change my game and took me to another level. So y'all know me by now. I said, what would he do? He said he taught me patience. Y'all know me by now. I said, what that mean? He said, You know, when you're impressed, you impress, you got to be patient. I said, Dog, I ain't never impressed nobody. So, what does that mean? He said, Oh, okay. When you impress, if you're patient, that means you don't turn and open up your hips and start to run until you really feel comfortable that you know what route they're about to try to do. Um, he said, So, when you're patient, it's, it's harder for you to get beat because you haven't exposed yourself.
1: You got to stay said, square. All right. You got to stay square. Yeah.
0: Exactly. And so in talking to him, I said, let me tell you something, man. This is what I enjoy most about the game. I enjoy the details of the game, understanding why guys do what they do on the field and why they're doing what they're supposed to do on the field. Uh, And he said, no, man, that's what he taught me. Um, He taught me a lot. I love him. And, uh, you know, he's part of the reason I'm the player that I am today. Now, just so y'all know. Gilmore is chasing the Hall of Fame He doesn't think he's there yet He thinks he needs another two or three elite seasons to get there Maybe we'll get one of those in Dallas um, Because I don't, I don't know that he's going to be here long term I don't know that they can afford him With all the other guys that they have So you should enjoy Stefan Gilmore while you have him this year Because uh, there really is no guarantee That he'll be back uh, for another year And uh, the last thing we have in this edition of Whispers from the Star Comes from one Tyron Smith Uh, You know, I talked to him for the other day Me and Tyron have always had a good relationship We don't talk a whole lot, but it's always informative when I do talk to him And so I said, hey man, let me ask you this What is the difference between 32-year-old Tyron Smith And 25-year-old Tyron Smith physically? He said, oh, that's easy 25, I just roll out of bed and hop on the field and, and go get it he said, "At my age now, man, I spend a year, I spend an hour just trying to get my body ready to practice." I said, "An hour just to get ready to practice?" Said, "Yeah, man, I got to do all the stretching, I got to take uh um you know get out there and make sure my body's really warm, so I got to do a whole set of exercises just for me." He says, "A whole routine, man, and it takes an hour just to get me ready for the practice field." And I go, "Dang," I said, "You know what?" This reminds me when Dirk Nowitzki, I think, was was, uh, at the end of his career. uh, And it said it used to take him about, check this out now, I'm not exaggerating, about four or five hours to get his body ready to play in an NBA game. And I was just like, wow, that's insane. But that's what was required. So I wasn't really shocked when Tyron Smith told me it took an hour for him to get his body ready to play. Uh, it turns out that uh, he's got a tweaked ankle. I expect him to play against the Giants, but he's not going to be 100%. He had not played a full 16-game season since about his fourth year in the league. Uh, it's just That's just what it is, man. He's at the days where he's injury-prone, and he's doing all these precautions to stay as healthy as he can. So that, my friends, concludes this edition of Whispers from the Start. That news you can't see here, we get anywhere. At the Jock Talk Podcast We'll have some more Next Friday Uh, You know As I spend a couple more days Out there At the Star In Frisco So that concludes Episode 2 We've got some big news Coming down the pipe Uh, Hopefully uh, Within a couple weeks We can share it with you Uh, For Big Joe and the Big Rig Who produced the show I'm Sean Jacques Taylor This has been Jock Talk Don't forget To subscribe, rate, and review. Hey, man, don't hand me nothing less than five stars. Y'all know what time it is. Uh, We'll talk to you soon. Be blessed, everybody. Have a great day.